if um if Bayern lose against Freiburg, can we start the the next podcast with hello and welcome to the Super Freiburg podcast? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. After succumbing to a 3-2 defeat to Gladbach over the weekend, Bayern Munich once again blew a two-goal lead on Wednesday, losing on penalties to second division side hosting Kiel and rather unceremoniously bowing out of the DFB Pokal in the second round for the first time in almost two decades. Having already doubled last season's loss tally, the Bavarians are clearly in bad shape and Hansi Flick has his work cut out for him. I'm Benjamin Scott. I'm here to talk about all of that with my friends, Tim Richards. Hello there. And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Well, we were joking right before the episode started that this one's going to be a bit of a downer. Um, And I guess there's really no beating around the bush. We might as well just jump right into it. It's the news, you know, that kind of shocked the football world, um, which, you know, maybe ironically, and we'll get get to this in a second, didn't shock too many Bayern fans probably, but... Yeah, Bayern were knocked out of the DFB Pokal in the second round uh, by second division side hosting Kiel. It was a a 2-2 draw. Um, It went into extra time after a very dramatic late equalizer from Kiel. Uh, And then they went on to beat Bayern 6-5 on penalties. And so the question that immediately comes to so many people's minds, especially those who are standing on the outside kind of looking in, and I'll come to you, Sebastian, is just the one word, you know, how. How did this happen? How did Bayern Munich, who were so dominant, who who thrashed Barcelona 8-2 to on the way to winning um, a treble last season, get knocked out of the DFB Pokal in the second round by a team that's not even in the Bundesliga? Yeah, I guess uh, the first part of my answer would be saying it's nothing that happened yesterday. It's nothing that happened basically this week. It's not like things went wrong like three days ago or something. But it's something that happened pretty slowly, continually over kind of a longer period of time, I would say. Um, the, the team ha- hadn't uh, been looking as good as it had been last season uh, when this season started. But instead of getting much better, some things have gotten kind of worse, some significantly worse, I would say. It is kind of a shame that I think... There were some good things Flick tried in this one. And now this kind of, I don't know, maybe people disagree, but I would say this loss kind of overshadows the loss against Mönchengladbach a bit because this is so definite kind of. Now you're out of the competition while uh, the loss against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach just means we're still at the top spot of the Bundesliga. So not so bad, really. Mm, Yeah. Talking about what actually went wrong in this one game, I think there are two things that are the, the big uh, the big issues here. One thing is the offense isn't exactly working, uh, but this is kind of in this match I felt was kind of the smaller issue because you just cannot uh, uh, get two goals from Holstein Kiel. That's you can't, just cannot afford that really. So I think my, my first problem here is is the defense. I think. This Bayern team is playing a, a brand of defense where you just can't afford certain things. You always need to be at maximum intensity, basically. You have 
just a very very narrow margin for error and nearly no margin for a, a lack of intensity for for a lack of effort and i think both were there some is to be expected i think because when you look at the lineup from that game uh there were a lot of changes of course this is a backline I, I i don't know if we have ever seen that one i pro- probably we, we haven't like exactly like this one then there's totally so uh who's who's also pretty new to the lineup uh, and so on so you kind of expect mistakes. You kind of expect errors here and there. So, yeah, that, that's the one thing. You probably cannot field this lineup and expect everything to go well 100% of the time. But I think the bigger issue, which is also, or the, the bigger part of that issue, which is also showing up on offense, is kind of a lack of effort, which I can understand. It, it's not like they don't want to win or anything, but it's not going not making this extra step here not yeah giving 110 percent maybe i think that's what's lacking but we are playing a a brand of football where you just cannot afford that and yeah if if that accumulates and if you also make make those make those mistakes uh, especially at the back because you you have new guys in the lineup and if you have a couple of a couple of players on the field that you don't completely trust like I'm, I'm not trusting Bonasar completely on the right side. Uh, while I think Gnabry was quite fine, I'm, I'm not necessarily trusting him as a striker, and so on. So w- when this, these, all these things add up, you kind of have a problem. Especially if your mentality is also kind of not perfect. You kind of, yeah, you you, you don't have that kind of uh, well self-esteem that you would have had last season. So this is also kind of. Uh, being chipped away at yeah so it's a bit of a mess really so of course you could hope that you would outscore this this keel team but yeah this just didn't materialize either and having this problem on offense and on defense it's probably just too much then that's how i see it anyway yeah i I think you bring up uh, several good points and i do want to point out we should definitely give um holstein keel their credit for not you know backing down from the challenge of playing Bayern munich and um, clearly, they did their homework. They knew how they could expose uh, this Byron side. Um, not that that's really that big big of a deal at this at the moment, because I think anyone who watches ten minutes uh, of this Byron side can figure out how to expose them. But they really they took the game to Byron. They never backed down, and so um, credit to them for that. But you talked about how uh, Sebastian its issues both at the defensive end and at the offensive end, and, and especially looking at the offense, how. Everyone kind of seems to be almost a step behind, or they don't want to make you know that at the, give that extra little bit um, of effort. And I think that's something that's really good to point out because so much of Bayern's success uh, last year was predicated on defending from the front, on on the, the you know the guys up front pressing hard, um, that translating back to the midfield, and then you know the high line was there to clean everything up, and that's why it generally worked. And now we're seeing um, defensively Bayern being exposed. Uh, on so many levels, and I think a lot of that is because the attack in the midfield um, is just a step behind. They're not pressing as effectively um, as as they have in the past. And so, Tim, I, I want to come to you for a bit because I know you like to reference um, and occasionally butcher that quote from uh, your, your man Nico Kovac about you know driving a car a certain speed on the interstate or whatever whatever the quote is. I, I'll butcher it uh, for you as well, but. Um, do you think we're seeing elements of that right now with this Bayern side of uh, 
maybe we're seeing that you know Kovac was was right in a sense that maybe you can drive that car so fast but only for a certain amount of time absolutely um there's this horrendous feeling of vindication uh, that comes with uh, with games like this uh, so I, I wrote or I said somewhere I can't remember exactly where they're like you can't go 200 kilometers an hour forever and you certainly can't do it in heavy traffic um I I think that what Kovac was saying is that you can't expect a team to be playing at that at like a certain level of intensity I think he was talking about Liverpool when he said it you can't expect a team to be constantly running and constantly winning every single ball and always running and always sprinting, always giving as much as they humanly, as much as they physically have, as much as humanly possible, and expect that to just last forever. And this is this is what we're seeing. Uh, I think had this season not been so hectic uh very, it's very busy I, I guess like to use that traffic analogy there's constantly another thing that's coming up in front of us so it's a game every every three days at this point and okay we we had the we had the break over christmas but even that was that was no time at all compared to what it usually is so i think this was like a prime example of the team is just absolutely burnt out because they were playing at such a, a high intensity last season then there's there's this part of me that's kind of been been toying with this idea of the way the the way that the Bundesliga, the Cup, and the Champions League all coincided with each other, like um, how that coincides with each other normally. Very very different to how it was last season. You had a huge bank of of Bundesliga games, then you had uh, one one cup game, and then five or six Bundesliga games, another cup game. And then about a month off, and then you had the Champions League games where you had one leg uh, for each um, for each opponent. Now, I don't want to say anything like, oh, Bayern, but they only won it because of COVID, like they only won it because of the thing. Because I know there was a pundit in, in the UK that kind of got uh, quite, a bit of a, quite a bit of stick from the Leeds admin for suggesting that they got promoted as a result of of COVID, but there are certainly some similarities and some parallels here. I think Bayern were uh, Bayern were able to benefit from from that month off, which is a month off that they could really do with right now. Because I think even the two weeks that they were given uh, over Christmas, I don't think that was nearly enough time for some of these players, like guys like Pavard and Kimmich and, and Gretzka, who have been playing every single game for the best part of the year. But I do think that Bayern have have really benefited from um from having such an extended break and only having one tournament to focus on and then moving on to the next tournament and then only having to focus on that i think i liken them to how liverpool when they won the league last season they were suffering burnout before they had finished like they lost to they lost to watford which is almost inexcusable considering how bad watford were um then they lost to man city they lost to arsenal like this is a team that started to kind of break down before um before they really got it over the line like they had done enough to make sure that if they did break down it wasn't the end of the world but they still it still happened and also a team like atalanta they were struggling at the start of the champions league because they were um because they were juggling the uh, the italian league uh, and the cup there they play an incredibly high intensity uh, they play with an incredibly high intensity 
And so to balance all of these tournaments at the same time with that level, that is not easy. And the fact that this has happened in in this, uh, I guess, in this way, in this manner, it isn't a complete surprise. It's incredibly frustrating that it's happened against a team in the second division. I th- I, I I think it was um, in Kovac's first season we played Heidenheim, and we went and so they were in the they were in the second division as well. This was the quarterfinals, and they made it very difficult. Uh, Bayern were down to ten men after about fifteen minutes, I think, and that is different. That is different to this. Because it was 5-4 was the final score against Heidenheim a couple of seasons ago. This one was 2-all, which means that Bayern couldn't even score. Like, Bayern couldn't score the five goals. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, they conceded two more last time around. But the fact that they're still conceding goals is a big problem. This is... I, I, think, I, I think I said this in our chat, that part of the problem that I have with this is that it isn't... It isn't the fact that we lost because people lose on penalties all the time. Like some of my worst experiences as a Bayern fan have come from penalty shootouts not going our way. I'm not going to say what they are, but they've happened before. It's the fact that Bayern didn't win. It should never have gone to penalties. And I think one of the biggest reasons is because they just couldn't handle it, which is just immensely frustrating. Mm hmm. It's it's really not surprising to see a Bayern side make a DFB Pokal game a lot harder um, on themselves than it than it should be. We've seen it happen several times. I do think it, there's a lot of surprise in a Bayern side giving up such a late lead, though. Um, usually, uh, or I guess historically in the past few years, in instances like this, we see the worry come early. Bayern come out of the gates not looking so hot, go down quickly. Um, and then make a big comeback in the second half. But it's really crazy that the last two games, it's been a two-goal lead that Bayern have, have given up um, due to just you know silly mistakes. And in fairness, I, I don't think it's uh, an exaggeration to say that Bayern were lucky to be up two goals in both games. I mean, if we think back to Gladbach, the first goal for Bayern came from that uh, ridiculous handball from Florian Neuhaus that was you know purely reactionary, very unfortunate, um, and you know, outside of VAR, n- never would have been called. Uh, and then going to the DFB Pokal game, Byron took the lead on what was a clear offside for Serge Gnabry. Now, granted, it was um, a terrible goalkeeper mistake as well. Uh, but you know, it wouldn't have been too, I guess, harsh to say that Byron really didn't deserve to take you know the lead uh, in either of those. And even in the Pokal game, uh, the second goal was a fantastic free kick from Leroy Sané, which you know. Power to him, excellent free kick and everything, but that's not something you can consistently uh, rely upon to get you goals. Um, so, really, in, in all ways, Bayern were disappointing on uh, on Wednesday uh, against Holstein Kiel. But um, one question I want to ask: We talked about how much uh, fatigue has kind of played into this, and you know how the busy schedule has really, um, you know, it may have played into Bayern's hands at first, but it's really caught up with them. But I do have to ask, and. Uh, really, this is for either of you. I'd love to hear both of your opinions. But is you think this is more than just fatigue? Are there some tactical issues going on here, um, or maybe even if if the issue primarily is fatigue, shouldn't have some tactical adjustments have been made um, to kind of help alleviate the the problems that are going to come from that? 
Yeah, I think that definitely is more than fatigue. I, I would, I would, uh, I guess I, I think I see it like there are small problems there and they are very much exaggerated due to fatigue. Um, I, I think that's how I would, uh, would see it here. Uh, as I said, for example, effort, uh, effort would be a problem in this season because it's always a problem after you've won it all basically right so you you would you would have a problem with mentality in a season like this one you would have a problem with going the extra mile you would have that anyway but if your players are also very tired yeah that just exaggerates this and i think the next thing there is that we have too many players on the squad basically who we don't seem to quite trust and then Uh, we are also playing. Uh, uh, sometimes we, we are we playing players not because we think they are probably going to have the best game. I feel not because uh, we feel like they were probably the best in training, but sometimes some of some of the time we're just playing players because we feel okay. This guy needs to be on because otherwise he's not going to get his top form if he's not going to get enough minutes. And this just gets worse right so all, all of these factors they just uh, accumulate and it just gets worse i think that's a that's a, a big problem there and uh yeah this is what what we definitely uh, yeah need to find a solution for i think flick already has tried things now i think yeah there, i think there are positive things to what we, what we've what we've seen I think it was the right choice, for example, to have have Süle and Hernandez in there. I definitely think that's that was correct to do that. It didn't it it didn't get the result we wanted, of course, but they definitely uh, needed their shot those two together, and this could still be uh, one part of what's what gets what's going to get us out of this uh, crisis we're we're facing here. So that that was a good thing, I feel. Mm. There's there's more to that. There's more like that, of course. Musiala, for example, trying Musiala actually kind of on the wing. Also, I think that could be a step in the right direction. And I don't don't think he he played terribly or anything there. So, so I think there are there are some things that are definitely going in the right direction. It was just very in, inconvenient and very unfortunate um, that yeah this game went so bad because I don't think this game was much worse. Than a lot of the of our recent games, really. It's just mm -hmm. that this was one of the games where, with a bit, well, with not much luck on our side, we were pretty unlucky in that one. I feel, yeah, we 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 had to pay sooner or later. Basically, it it we we would lose some games sooner or later, and now this was one of those two games, and it even was one of those two games after we already had that loss against Gladbach, where this happened, right? So I think. Yeah, it's it's probably very unfortunate that when when Flick is doing th some things, I feel are going in the right direction. It, it's also when things go very bad, which is not because we were worse in this game than we were in others, but just yeah, bad luck, I would say, because the others weren't weren't really brilliant either. Well, and I think that really came into play um, in, in the extra time. I mean, the whole entire, maybe not the first five or ten minutes, but basically the whole entire extra time, it was all Bayern. And it really looked like uh, we were going to get a goal and, you know, avoid the narrow scare. And like you said, luck wasn't on our side, which that totally happens. Um, you can't really be too upset about anyone about that. It was going to happen to Bayern 
uh, eventually. But I do agree. It's it's hard to look at the game and like pinpoint any single player or you know single I guess section of the of the field. In in my opinion, that played particularly bad. Uh, I don't think anyone stood out. I don't think anything in particular stood out, or I don't think the team as a whole played really bad against Holstein Kiel. But the distinction is that you look at it and no one really played particularly good. Um, I guess I could, as always, maybe make a small argument in favor of Thomas Muller having a good game um, and, you know, still driving the team forward, never giving up. Uh, But really, other than that, it's hard to look and identify who had um, a good game and who was going to take us and push us to the win. And obviously it didn't happen. But, uh, Tim, I'd be interested... Um, to hear your thoughts on, I guess, the tactical side of things, um, specifically looking at, at these games and um, how how that kind of plays into the issues we're seeing. Yeah, I, th- I think um, Sebastian mentioned it uh, at the start when he said um, that there is there is certainly a physical fatigue um, that does play. Like, I, don't, I don't think it would be wrong to say, like, oh, they're professional athletes, they shouldn't be tired. I think it... I, to not be tired after doing this would be ridiculous. I think if they are, if the excuse is we're very tired, I completely understand that. I mean, I'm tired all the time and I'm not a professional athlete. Like I haven't had to play, you know, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, 120 minutes, like every few days. Um, so, but I, I do think this is another, another point that I've made elsewhere is that there hasn't been anything there's not really been much or certainly not enough from Hansi Flick to accommodate that tiredness. So his rotation has been unusual. Um, his, like the fact that he didn't make, he made one substitution against Gladbach. This is like, we ha- the Bundesliga has five substitutions for a reason. It's to avoid having like the, the greater, the increased risk of injuries as a result of, um oh what's the word atrophy yeah the, we had like a long period of of time off and so to accommodate having more players uh on on the bench i think that's a fantastic idea to not utilize three substitutions that's unusual but to not utilize five like that's he, he only that is one thing that i think is probably the beginning of how this game how this game went um uh, how the how the kill game went. The fact that he only made one substitution was very very strange. And also, there's this um, I guess like this identical demand for the same level of intensity, the same the same aggression in in the press, the same the same backline. So there was a, a quote from from Flick in his press conference, I think earlier today, uh, where he said that like the, um, the problem isn't isn't a high line. So he says, uh, we can stand deeper and still make the same mistakes. Um, it doesn't matter whether I'm standing 10 meters in front or behind the halfway line, which I get, but also at the same time, Bayern have been caught out a number of times with a ball over the top from virtually identical situations. So the, I think the first goal from Mainz was from the, it was from their right side over the, over the top through the middle and their forward just ran through the defence, and it wasn't a problem for them. The equalising goal for Holstein Kit was it an equaliser? Is it two one? It went no, yeah. It, it, so, yeah, go ahead. Was it? Yeah, fourteen. Um, yes, they they equalised after thirty seven minutes from Finn Bartels. So that goal came from 
they they pressed the ball, they got it back, and and they sent it over. If you are stood so far up the pitch, then the there's there's a, a phrase in cricket, which I think is a sport that I probably talk about as much as I do football on this podcast. But there's this um this corridor of uncertainty uh when you're bowling and it's where the ball pitches on um the ball pitches in front of the batsman. Anywhere around that, it's like it's like the risk of it going wrong is is greater. Um, but if you can get it in that in that one specific in that one specific spot, then it's golden. If you are stood so far up the pitch, that corridor of uncertainty for the opposition is so much wider. It's like a highway. Can... Yeah, exactly. Whereas, okay, I'm not expecting everybody to like sit back and park the bus but there surely has to be a happy medium somewhere mm-hmm. because the further back you are, the less space they have to run at you. Okay. Sula is, like has a, a good uh, top speed. His acceleration isn't very good. Same as Jerome Boateng. David Albert used to be one of the quickest in the team. He doesn't seem to have that sort of blistering pace anymore. I, I guess like he's had a couple of injuries. So this, this is a team that is really easy to, um, to exploit on the counter just by not even by virtue of the fact that the players are slow right but they're they're both slow and also as you said offering like a highway for these players to um i should probably say motorway i am british um but just for these players to just run through and the fact that it's the same thing every single time a ball over the top oh surprise the very fast attacker has has got onto it so it was um the the Stuttgart forward, he um he got their goal from more or less the exact same thing of just being faster than everybody else. He got mm-hmm. there um he got there before the defenders. Holstein Kiel, um two, two of Gladbach's Gladbach. goals. Yeah. Um and as I actually posted in the chat earlier, it's that it's the exact same goal that um, Ante Rebic scored to give Frankfurt the lead in the cup final against Bayern several years ago, which then raises another question. This is this isn't new. Mm. This isn't like oh, it's just been in the last couple of last couple of games or so, and it's like oh, it's a hang up from Kovac. No, it's not. It's a hang up from years ago. It's like beyond Heinkes. Probably Guardiola was maybe like the first person to play like a really high line, but this is this isn't this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for years. And um, and for all of the for all of the plaudits that Hansi Flick has like quite rightly um, received, I think what he did last season was outstanding. This season he has fallen very very short, and these past these past few results and the past few performances are entirely on him and his decisions. Yes, fatigue does factor into it, but it's his job to accommodate that and and to facilitate a way around it. Better rotation actually utilizing substitutes not expecting people to be able to run 200 kilometers an hour or whatever it is yeah i think um both you bring up good points sebastian talked about how you know it's a lot of issues that were going to be there anyway and fatigue has really made them big issues i mean i think you can kind of say the same thing with with hansi flick or you could kind of flip and say fatigue has caused certain issues and then hansi flick's decisions have made them uh, you know, all the more noticeable. I think they've, they're working hand in hand to kind of create this perfect storm of uh, Bayern really aren't looking good, you know, despite scoring so many goals in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, we're also letting in so many goals. We've 
we're, we're in terrible form right now. It looks like anyone in the world, um, just pick 11 guys and set them out on a soccer field and they'll probably figure out how to score against us. And um, kind of like Sebastian said earlier, you know, it's not that Nicolas Sula or Lucas Hernandez, either one looked poor individually uh, against Kiel. Um, there's just a whole lot going wrong, uh, you know, systemically at Bayern Munich right now. So with all of that in mind, um, we've kind of addressed the how. Now we have to to kind of ask the question, what's the remedy? You know, where where do Bayern um, go from here? How do we pick things up? How does Hansi Flick, uh, if he has to bear a lot of the responsibility for what's going on, how does he turn it around? How does he get Bayern um, back on track? So, I mean, again, I'll, I'll come to both of you, but Sebastian, you know, what do you think? Is it um, more than just simply pulling the back line a little bit? Uh, does he need to shift some personnel like you talked about? Uh, sometimes he's playing people and it you know it really doesn't make sense that they should be starting based on how they're playing. Um, maybe an emergency transfer needs to be brought in in January. What what What's the approach Bayern and Hansi Flick need to take um, to move forward and to kind of dig ourselves out of this rut? I think first uh, we need to realize that obviously there's not going to be a simple fix to this. There's not going to be this one thing that we're going to do and everything's going to be fine obviously that's not going going to work um let's let me start basically from with what you finished i, I would think like uh do, do we need an emergency transfer i would like that actually i, I would really like getting a good right back or maybe getting a, a good center back um for example i think that would be my positions of choice i don't see it happening uh and it of course would not fix all our issues not at all it would just be one step to uh, give us one more player we really trust, because I think this is one of the things uh, we have too many too many uh, players on this squad. We are not really trusting. We are don't uh, we are not uh, confident about enough that we are ready to rotate them in regularly. Um, but this is this is really is one thing I, I think we need to do better rotation as you also have mentioned before, I think. Um, yeah, we, no matter which players are going, going to be on the squad, uh, it's always a waste if you have like a number of players who you just don't feel confident about, like Bonasar, for example, or like Mark Roca, or like Xerxes, for example. I know he's a striker. He's, he probably doesn't have uh, many positions he could play. But it's kind of weird that you see Serge Gnabry playing striker when we have two backup strikers. And one of those really needs minutes, for example. This is an issue for me because this hinders our rotation. This hinders all of our possibilities there. This is a big issue. Next thing for me is trust players like like Zule and, and Hernandez for a bit now. I think they really deserve their chance. Don't go back to... Uh, Boateng and Alaba immediately. I think that would be a huge problem. I think this these are kind of the first steps we need to build on, and then yeah, play play the players who are best suited to really play that system in your next game, and don't say like, okay, Gnabry needs the minutes, Sané needs the minutes, whoever needs those minutes. But yeah, really check. Okay, who, who's who's showing? that he really can go at full intensity for 90 minutes and who can also really play the system and not uh, fall short there, not ma- make a huge number of mistakes 
because he's, they are not uh, used to the system enough or something like that. I think you need to really look more from a game to game perspective and not from a pers- not too much from a from a perspective of okay who's 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 who are we going to need in two or three months who who's going to to, to have to be a top forum then who do i maybe need to play because i don't want him to leave because i want to make him happy i think these are these are the ideas we really need to get out of our heads right now and we really need to go match by match we need to win this next match what's going to put us in a position to win this next match and to make our system work in this next match and i think this is really part of what what what's what's the issue here that that yeah maybe maybe that's just our ideas here that's just how we think what flick is doing but i think this is really yeah it's definitely a thing i believe that that he's that he has done that like playing those players just so, so they get minutes that they uh yeah that they just get their games in that they get into better form and so on yeah we cannot afford that right now you can do that when when everything's going well when you're kind of like a well well oiled machine and everything's going fine yeah you can do that then but we're not in that position right now mm-hmm. we're kind of you could argue we have been kind of lucky that there haven't been more losses recently in a way this not that we played incredibly terribly but also it could have happened right with a with a bit right if we had been a bit more unlucky this could be more than two losses here so so if i could jump in then um talking about you know playing the best players while they're at their best not not so much playing for the future who specifically would you have in mind um as you know someone who either isn't getting enough minutes that you want to see starting the next game or someone who you think's playing too much that uh, you think you know why is he playing sit him and put in someone else in his place i think that's that has been different players at different times really uh it has been sane at times it has been gnabry at times it has been like musiala at a d- defensive midfield kind of position for example it definitely has been alaba it definitely has been boateng but it's of course it's kind of changing right so it's not always the same guys but i feel like it has happened quite a lot hmm. yeah definitely um yeah tim anything to anything to add to that as for i guess the remedy or the direction you know hansi flick ought to go uh, from here, obviously, I, I am very much a layman compared to uh, compared to him. So my advice probably won't be taken. Probably no, we're the experts. Um, yeah, like, I, I swear I have that job as the sporting director. Right. We spoke into existence a couple of years ago. I my instinct would be look at the like the longest periods. Uh, like the longest periods of play that we've had where we haven't conceded, but we have scored a lot. So the first one that springs to mind is um, is the second half against Mainz. The, I guess like the difference between how, how that went and how the first half went, the biggest change was that we had a much more attacking fullback. And I realized that that may seem counterintuitive because the defense is such a huge issue. Um, because we are constantly conceding, having a more attacking fullback surely doesn't solve anything. If anything, it creates more problems. But there was just something about that, that like the way that Kimmich was playing as a right back. And it doesn't have to be Kimmich. I'm not saying that it has to be him. I wouldn't mind it if it was, but it doesn't have to be him. It it 
seeing how he played with with Leroy Sane or or with whoever it would be on that right wing, the attack just seemed way more comfortable and much more dangerous and much more in control. I, I don't know. It's, I can't remember like what what way around the phrase is, but it's the best form of defense is offense, mm-hmm. or is it the other way around? Well, in this case, it would be the the best form of defense is a good offense. That's the one. Um, we'll we'll go with that. I would like to see a slightly more, I guess, I guess like symmetrical way of attacking. I think that Davies hasn't been doing well recently. But to single him out to say like, oh, he's the problem, that would just be woefully incorrect. I think he is clearly going to be the future of of our back line. And so if he's having a couple of bad games, there's no ne- there's no real need to to take him out for certain and say, okay, you sit here and you think about what you've done and you come back when you're better. I think all he needs is just like maybe like a good performance or two and things will start to click again. As for as for the right side, I think having Josu Kimmich as the right back should be what Hansi Flick starts to do for the next few games. And again, it's it's frustrating that that we're having that discussion like again and again, like oh, is is Kimmich right back? Is he a midfielder? It's like it's it's frustrating that that's that that's still going on. But it's also frustrating that we don't we haven't had a right back as a starting right back since um, since Philip Lahm. Because Benjamin Pavard, the, the a lot of the excuses that I see for well, no excuses makes it sound like I've got a agenda against him, which maybe I'm I'm not going to get into it. But a lot of the a lot of the um the the rationale uh, that I see um for him not being at his best is because he's a centre back and he's playing as a right back. Okay, when he was a centre back, he did get relegated from a pretty shocking Stuttgart team. Um. But he won the World Cup as a right back. So then that's kind of like, well, maybe his best position is a right back. Quite frankly, though, he is playing as a right back. That doesn't necessarily mean that he is one. I think that's why I was so excited about getting in Audrey Zola last season was the fact that this is somebody that is going to get forward with the ball and also come back when he has to. Um, Maybe not to the same level as Alfonso Davies. I think he was very much an anomaly last season. Um, but having somebody that can really, really help the attack is going to be the difference between us scoring five goals against Mainz and us scoring two goals against um, against Kiel. I think that's that is for me like the number one thing to to fix. And maybe that solution also, uh, like maybe doing that, is also the solution to fixing our right sided centre back problem because at the moment we've got Jerome Boateng, who's kind of like unreliable at times. And Nicholas Sula, who's unreliable seemingly most of the time. Maybe this is the opportunity for Benjamin Pavard to say, hey, you guys don't need to get up Meccano next season. This is like, I I am I am your right-sided centre-back. I'm not sure if that is the case, but it can't help. Like, it, it, you might as well experiment and, and try and find this, this out. As for, so that's like, that's what I would do for the defence. As for the attack take the chances that are given. I see so many times Bayern wait for a team to regroup before doing anything with it. I, I can I can vividly remember like countless times during the the first season we won the treble in 2012-13, Neuer would catch the ball from a corner 
and instantly throw it to Robin, Ribery, Alaba, Muller, Mandzukic, anybody that was running because there were runners. That doesn't happen anymore. Neuer will catch the ball from the corner and invariably wait and then the team will regroup and then they'll start playing it from the back. And that really slows down the uh, that really slows down the attack. If you've got guys like Leroy Sane, Serge Gnabry, Kingsley Coman, Goretzka, even Costa, like you've got really quick guys to not utilize their like their biggest asset just seems very wasteful. I think taking safe passes and getting the ball into a really good position and then laying it off wide for somebody to put a cross in or hit the first player, I don't, that's not, it just seems so counterintuitive to the players that Bayern have at their disposal. I want to see players be really, really direct. I don't care if that means that we have 48 shots and three of them are on target. I just want to see people take that chance because it really doesn't seem like that's happening anymore. Yeah, I think both of y'all bring up a lot of good points. And, um, you know, Sebastian, you talk about how it's not going to be an immediate fix. It's a gradual thing um, and that fans should sort of hedge their expectations. I think that's there's a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, And then, Tim, we talked about this last week and I'm 100 percent on board with it. Uh, I think that, you know, moving Joshua Kimmich back to right back, um, at least for now, until, you know, we have a, a better solution, may be the best thing to do going forward, you know, adding uh, a little bit of attacking depth on the right side, freeing up space for literally Leroy Sané or whoever else it is playing over there. Um, but also just based on in the past year, uh, funny enough, our best games came when, when Yosua Kimmich was at right back, despite him being so influential in midfield. Um, and so as we sort of wrap up, the, the question I want to uh, finish off with is heading into the game the uh, game against Freiburg on Sunday, what what's one thing? If you could ask of Hansi Flick to make one change in this game, what would that be? Or what's one um, adjustment you want to see from the team? For me, it would be putting Joshua Kimmich at right back from the beginning uh, and just, you know, no matter what other changes you make, let's see what that does. Um, if I could go further, I would love to see Mark Roca start a game alongside Leon Goretzka. Uh, number one, because I think he's underutilized. I think he could do an excellent job playing the sort of deep-lying playmaker role. Uh, and number two, because I think that guy needs some minutes after, you know, what happened with his penalty being the one that was saved um, against Holsten Kiel uh, in, in a really unfair way. So that would be the one ch- change I hope that is made uh, this weekend against Freiburg. But um, Sebastian, what's one thing you would ask for? Uh, I guess you took that away from me a little bit. It would have fit so nicely if you just ha- would have said you want to uh, see Kimmich on the right and then... <laughs> I want to see Roca start because I think really I really think he didn't look bad mm-hmm. in the last game. I think he's still the kind of player we need on that position, especially if Kimmich's not there. So I would really like to see him there. I guess if I would have to come up with another one, uh, I think my second change would be a non-change, if you will. So I would really like Flick to stick with uh, Zula and Hernandez, which is still kind of a change in my opinion because they are still not our two starters here. And I think they are not the problem. I think the problem has been uh, that we have been sticking with Alaba and Boateng for way too long and have given them like 90% of of the games, 90% of the minutes, basically. So it still feels like a change uh, to have 
have Sula and Hernandez back there. So I'll, I'm going to go with that then. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that one as well. Uh, Tim, anything to add to that, whether it be a personnel change or some sort of tactical shift or uh, whatever it may be that you hope to see um, a little bit different from Bayern this weekend? I think if it's um, if Coman isn't ready to, to start and if Nabry isn't necessarily 100% fit, I wouldn't mind seeing Musiala start. I think I, I completely agree with um, with both of you. I'd like to see I'd like to see Rocker start. I don't think we have the sort of fan base that would be like, "You missed the penalty. You're not good enough. You're terrible." That, that's a lie. I have seen people do that quite a lot, and that that's not really like the the Bayern ethos. I, I don't think I can fully envisage. You know, if the next game was to be played in a packed Allianz Arena, he would get a round of applause, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's hugely upsetting that it happened to him of all players so I think a lot of us were probably half expecting Costa to be the one that would miss I think Douglas Costa um, was expecting Douglas Costa to be the one that missed yeah so in, in that sense it's nice to be on the same level as him um, <laughs> but yeah it's it's a big shame that um that it happened to him and so this would be like if he needs any boost in confidence which I'm sure he does this is the time to give it. This mm-hmm. is a very quick win. We need somebody that's defensively secure in midfield if Kimmich is to be is to be moved back to right back. Rocket is that guy, more so than Toliso is. He's more agile than Javi Martinez is. He is more secure than than Toliso or, or Goretzka in that sense. Um so I'd like to see a double pivot of Rocker and Goretzka, Kimmich at right back. And yeah, try out this Sula Hernandez partnership. Like this could be you know, up, up Meccano rumors aside, this in theory is the is the backline for the next few years or so. So there's no point in saying, well, it didn't work then. Let's just completely give up on it. I'd like to see both of them start and I don't know, maybe like if, if Alaba has to play, then put him at left back for some reason I, <laughs> no don't put him um keep davies there i'd i'd rather mm-hmm. see davies yeah, at, at left back because yeah. at least you know he's gonna be there next year for sure um but yeah I'd, I'd like to see musiala play um if if he has to start then then that's great equally from freiburg i'd quite like to see um i'd quite like to see jong play because uh, i think he got a goal a few weeks ago so good for him um, but obviously, this is the Super Bayern podcast, and not the Super Freiburg. Yeah, don't be, don't be that's my, wishing that upon yeah, us. Yeah, that's my that's my gig tomorrow. <laughs> we'll we'll have to make sure to put a link to that uh, down in the description. Um, but you know, like we said, the personnel changes aren't obviously all that needs to happen at Bayern. There's so much more going on. But uh, yeah, I think we're all in agreement. Making some small shifts or non shifts, keeping players in the starting eleven, would hopefully be a step in the right direction from Hansi Flick. But That's all the time that we have for this episode. Uh, If you've enjoyed listening or if you're a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a couple ways you can do it. You can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at superbyronpod and keep up to date with us there. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're probably going to be there. Thank you for listening, go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.